Hi, it's Emma from Spine Chillers and Serial Killers. Just before you listen to this episode, I wanted to let you know that we did record this on Halloween night live for our Facebook page. So the audio quality is not quite what you're used to. I've done my best to edit it into an episode for you guys. I really hope you enjoyed the spooky stories. We hope you had a lovely Halloween. And yeah, for any more lives that you'd like to be part of, check us out on the Facebook page. Okay, come on in and enjoy. Hello and welcome to this week's Spine Chillers and Serial Killers. I'm Emma. I'm Tash. And I'm Becky. Hi. Are you okay? My lovely ladies, you look very spooky. Listen, I all of a sudden have become Miss Halloween this this year. This is my third dress up. (laughs) I don't think I've ever dressed up ever before, unless it was at one of your parties, Emma. Yeah, we did love a Halloween party. We did. We did love a I went to the party. doctors looking like this today. Uh, how was that? Emba- embarrassing, but... Was it? Mm, yeah. It was. Uh, doctor, doctor, I've got horns on my head. Yeah, that's what Ben said. He said you should turn up and go, I've got some weird gross coming out my head, man. <laughs> Tash? Yes? Have you been on any dates? Now you mention it, I've been on eight. Eight? What? It's incredible. It's incredible. You're all going to be surprised by this. I think it deserves a little bit of a jingle. Oh, hold on to your hats. Sit down, you boys and girls, and everyone in between. Story time. Dash has stories for you, both funny and obscene. Did she swipe right, swipe left, or find out he had a rash? We're about to find out, because it's Tinder with Tash. That makes me smile every time. That's excellent. And that, if you didn't recognize his voice, that was courtesy of JT. So thanks so much for making us that fantastic jingle. Thank you so much. We love you. We do. Friend of the podcast and fellow podcaster. Uh Uh-huh. Go on then. Tell us all about it, Tash. So speed dating. Speed dating was so much fun. I have never laughed so much in my life after an event. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, it was great. I met some uh, interesting people. Safe to say that we will be using the jingle again. You didn't find love? I'm still very single. No love. No love for me. But I could tell you a little about some of the people that I met that night. Tell us. That's why we got the jingle out and everything. So I don't actually think I'm a shallow person in terms of physique. I think we all look old and wrinkly eventually. So that isn't the most important thing to me. Where I do fall down on that is height. I just would prefer a man that is the same height. I honestly want six foot four, you know, Jason Momoa. But five foot eight will do. Yeah, so you're quite you're quite tall. Are you five eight or five seven anyway? I'm five seven, so I want to at least be the same height. You know, ideally taller. But listen, beggars can't be choosers. Yeah. Um, anyway, the first guy was incredibly short. He was very friendly very smiley. He's got a big family. I can't remember his name though. And I feel like that that's an instant no, isn't it? I can't remember your name. Yeah. Was there drinking at this speed dating? Yeah, obviously. So I'd only had a glass of wine at this point. So I think fine. Like I'm not drunk on a glass of wine. No. 
I just couldn't remember his name and I didn't want to ask again as he left the table. So I didn't. It's so awkward that, isn't it? When you can't remember someone's yeah. name because it's like rude to say, I actually don't know what your name is. Yeah. So no idea of his name. Also, um, he was doing a master's and... Well, clever. That's something for him. Super clever, but just to like far more intelligent than I am, like academically intelligent. I'm not saying I'm not an intelligent person, but I'm not academically intelligent. Anyway, so I just felt like he told me what his master's was and I was like, I don't understand what you're saying to me. So Okay, so we don't know what his name is and we don't know what he does. what his name is. Yeah, but you know. Doesn't um, sound like a win to me, this. No. The next guy was called... Imdad. Oh, we've got a name. We've got a name. Yeah. So the reason I'm telling you his name was, uh, what his name was, is because I said to him, oh, so how do you spell that so that I could write it down on my piece of paper? And he, oh, he said, um, he said, I'm dad. It said, it's written like I'm dad without the apostrophe. And I said to him, does anyone call you daddy? <laughs> I asked him if anyone had ever called him daddy oh did he say well maybe you later Uh, no I'm not sure he got my joke and he went on to say (laughs) that he is a uh how is it like a buddy system at the uni and he is essentially a dad of like a group of students and that they do call him dad Oh. And I was like, oh, okay. Oh, like, wasn't, it just wasn't what I no. meant. It just wasn't what I meant. You meant it in a sexy no. way. And he was like, oh, yeah, actually, people do call me that. Like children. Yeah, yeah. He was like, yeah. I was like, okay. Yeah. Oh, he's too innocent. Yeah, too innocent. He also was rather short and too smiley. Oh, my God. Too, too smiley. smiley. Damn him. So happy, but so smiley. How is he smiling though? Like, like, like he never stopped smiling. That's intense. <laughs> it was just weird. Um, but he was really, really nice, but just too smiley, and didn't get my daddy joke. So that was sad. Mm-hmm. The next guy, I feel like he made no effort. He turned up in jeans and a t-shirt that I'm pretty sure he'd been wearing all day. He had a baseball cap on, which he did not take off. Even when he sat down at your table? Just not very polite, is it? No. Take your hat off, hun. Yeah, take it off, put it take on the table. Take your hat off, hun. This is how my daughter woke me up this morning. <laughs> my kid is so scary. Your kid is scary. <laughs> she wrote me a letter. I'm all happy because um, every morning... Ben brings me a cup of tea in bed. So like I'm in bed just checking my emails and stuff and she up she comes all happy. Look at this, mummy, look at this. And it says, dear stranger, happy Halloween. <laughs> it starts, dear stranger. Yeah. Meet your end of your life. I hope you're ready for your death. <laughs> Is is this a poem? No, I'm coming for you. I've got my minions to come. Be prepared. That's it. Uh, I don't know what to say. say. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) But is she just taking? You were a goth for many years. She not just being a goth baby, waking up like, oh, the sun was shining. It was horrible. And now you will meet your death. Is she not just being all gothic? I don't know. She's. I don't think she's really seen me. I mean, I never used to talk like that, did I? I didn't go around like... <laughs> you were the happiest goth I've ever met. Yeah, I like, uh, everything is awful. I hate everything. This life is so unbearable. Yeah. I wear Ugh, black kissing. like the colour of my soul. <laughs> what would you do if your kid gave you that letter? I was just I would burn them. <laughs> what the child? <laughs> yeah, like a witch at the stake. And the witch. And then if they didn't die, I'd then drown them. 
Because that's what they did, isn't it, with witches? No, but that's what they did with witches, didn't we they? We're talking about children here, easy. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking hell. <laughs> Fucking hell, man. No, no, I've been in Halloween mode for too long. Hey, I actually saw a diagram, and this could this could come in handy for anybody if you ever get burned at the stake. <laughs> if you ever get burned at the stake... Mum, we're talking to you. <laughs> you need to request dry wood because... Or is it wet wood? Oh, you fucked. I can't remember. There is a difference. <laughs> Wet wood takes longer to burn. Yes, but one would make but more steam. smoke. Yeah, so I'm thinking you, if you ask for wet wood, it just... Yes, it's wet wood. It would steam. Yes, but wet wood would make more smoke, so you'd die of smoke inhalation and not burning to death. My favourite way to die. <laughs> Whereas if it was dry wood, yeah. then you'd catch on fire more quickly. You wouldn't have a chance to have the smoke inhalation and it would be a long and horrible death. So if you're going to be burnt at the stake, ask for wet wood. Wet wood. Oh, also wet wood sounds disgusting. <laughs> it sounds really horrible, doesn't it? It sounds shiny, um, but not in a good way. <laughs> Start with so this is one of them conversations, though, that when I lie in bed awake at night, that I'm like, if I wet had wood. to be burned at the stake, wet wood or dry wood? No, I know the answer. Thank you so much. It is a proper <laughs> diagram. I don't know why it exists, but it's out there. Just, just Listen, on the off it's chance. always got to be wet, hasn't it? Oh, Tash. Have you finished your Tinder with Tash? Because I've just got a little nitbit that I need to tell you because I haven't told anyone and it's a thing of embarrassment since this morning. We must all know. Tell us. We're doing the rest of the dating next week. There was eight people, so, you know, stay tuned. Yeah, I think, I think we should space it out. Makes it last longer. But disappointing. Yeah, disappointing so far. Yeah. I hope it ends with a flourish. Anyway, do you remember when we talked about Dr. Pants Off? Yeah. That we, me and Emma, both respectively had at one point. Yeah. Yeah. Just as a little recap, you go in for a stuffed nose for some reason. He's like, I oh, will take your pants off. And that's how he examines you. I went for an MRI this morning, just a head MRI, just to make sure everything was okay. And um, I took my pants off for a head MRI. Did you get asked to? No. (laughs) 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 He was like... Oh, you can take your pants on. Did they give you a gown? No, hold on. No. When I said pants, it was trousers. I had pants on. Oh, you kept your knickers on. But I took my trousers off and he was like, no, you can keep them on. It's fine. you have to take your top off? I had to take my bra off. What, so you were laying there topless? No, with my top on, bra off. Because of the wire? Yeah, because of the wire. And then I was like, I took my trousers off and I was waltzing in. And he was like, no, you can keep your trousers on. I was like, but there's metal like, on them. And he was like, no, it's only your head that's going in the thing. And it was not the type of metal that would be affected by MRI. But still. That's less embarrassing. I thought you'd freed the V. No, I nearly did. I was like. Gash out. Yeah. No, no. <laughs> That was horrible. I'm so sorry. That was <laughs> <Gash> <laughs> No. That was so disgusting. <laughs> Everything's okay. I have a full brain. It's all there. So This Good surprises me, actually. I really wouldn't be surprised if they were like, actually, yeah. you're actually missing a quarter of your brain. I'd be like, well, that explains yeah. so much. <laughs> 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 but no, all brain, all brain's fine. Oh, the song answers from la- uh, last week. Hang on. Becky's, she only did a short chorus. Yeah. I got three right answers. So Ooh. I got one from Mike. I got one from Stacy and one from Nicole. All correct. Oh. And what was the answer, Emma? Believe by Cher? Yeah, yeah, that Should was it. Sing it. Should we sing it? <laughs> sing it, sing it, do it, do it. Do you believe in love after love? That's it. I can feel something inside me say. I really don't think I'm strong enough, no. That's the one. Becky, you didn't sing. No, I had to let Tasha have a moment. Listen, we all know I'm Beyonce. <laughs> yeah. Mate, I ruined your moment. I joined in. Fucking love a bit of share. That was harmonies. That was okay. 
That was that was harmonies. <laughs> that was not harmonies. <laughs> okay, so my story. This guy contacts me. He's like, I've got this really interesting story. I grew up in this house. I can't believe it's not more famous. More people need to know about it. Could you please do a story on it? And I was like, okay, sure. You know, I'll look into it and whatnot. When I found it, it blew my mind. So this is what you're going to hear tonight. So this basically is like first-hand account. The person that lived this is the person who contacted me and the person who sent me all the details. Okay. So he knows. He knows. He knows. Oh, no. Do you know what I've done? What? Mm, you tell me. My story's in Wales. In Wales? Or like... Yeah. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Fucking idiot. <laughs> It's like Dory trying to talk yeah. to the whale. Oh, imagine. <laughs> and then we went into the house. <laughs> in Wales, is in the country, you numpty, and I was supposed to Google the pronunciation. Oh, you've just got to roll with it. Also, respectfully, babe, even if you had Googled the pronunciation, would you remember? Because those words are unreal. They don't even look like what they sound like. I'm just going to absolutely butcher the names of these towns, but I'm going to do it with confidence. Yes, confidence is key. We get away with everything if we're confident. Yeah. This is a story of Gladstone Villa. In the forming mining town known as Bargoed in the Carfilly County borough of South Wales. Do you see how I sailed through that? <laughs> yeah. Confident as fuck. So you will find a hotel called the Reds Park Hotel. And if you were to go in and speak to some staff, you may indeed talk about the ghosts that live there. The ghostly bride who haunts room five. And they might even tell you about the disembodied baby's cries that can be heard every now and again. But we're not going to talk about the hotel. Well, not as it is today, but how it was before, when it was a house, when it was Gladstone Villa. Ba, ba, ba. Dun, dun, dun. So originally, the house was occupied by William Higgs, known as Bill, his wife, Rita Higgs, and their daughter, Caroline. Caroline met her husband at work. She did the day shift and he was on nights, but he would wait for her after his shift to make her a tea and have a chat. So that was kind of sweet. Really sweet. Really lovely. I've never had a man do that for me. I bet he was knackered after a whole night shift and he just hung on to see her. They got married in 1968 and decided to move in with Bill and Rita at Gladstone Villa. All was well at the house until very shortly after their son, Andrew. So Andrew is the guy who asked me to talk about this. Thank you, Andrew. He was born in 1969. So then things began slowly, as they always do. Just little taps here and there, weird noises, maybe the odd light flicker. But again, as they always do, things began to escalate. The taps turned to bangs and the family began hearing footsteps walking above them. One day, as the family sat downstairs, they all heard an almighty bang, as if someone had jumped down from the attic onto the landing. Thinking someone must have been breaking in, they went to check it out. No one was there, but the attic hatch was indeed open. Oh, fuck that. Why is the attic so scary? Is this just a house at this point or is it a hotel? This is the house. In the 60s. Okay. Okay. So they called the police. Sensible. I mean, the only thing to do in that situation, in my opinion. Absolutely. They searched and found no one, although admittedly they seemed nervous and didn't want to venture too far into the attic. So they just kind of popped their heads in and had a quick look the police? Yeah, the police. Literally their job to look. Yeah. Well, they did look. They literally just went, oh. Nobody there. You're good. (laughs) It would seem from that point that the entity took up residence in the main bedroom of the house as they would hear it walking about in there along with the sound of dragging. Oh. I know. I don't like that (laughs) either. Yeah, that's creepy, isn't it? And yet you often do. With ghosts, they often seem to be dragging stuff about. Well, they don't have, if you think, they don't have legs, so they can't lift with their knees. They have to drag. They'll do their ghost back in. Yeah. Yeah, it would do, yeah. I have literally no idea what Becky just said. Well, they teach you to lift with your knees. 
They teach you to lift with your yeah. legs rather than lift with your back, but they don't have any. Why don't they have legs? Because they're ghosts. Yeah, I'm thinking of the Casper-style ghost that doesn't have... Oh, where they just finish, like, with a wisp. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think that's real, babe. Sorry, have you not seen that film? I have. I, it wasn't a documentary. <laughs> I think you need to re-watch it because that was very real. Yeah. <laughs> I do apologise. Although this was its favourite room, it didn't stop it wandering around the rest of the house too. The lights would go on and off. This is giving me you-know-who vibes. Yes. Electrical cables would be seen to be pulled by the whole family. Bill, the grandfather, said something through a glass bottle at him as he entered his bedroom. No one witnessed this except Bill, but he came out looking shocked and holding the broken bottle in his hands. Oh. So Bill loved country music and would always play some of his favourite LPs while the families were getting dinner ready. The ghost, however, did not seem to appreciate the music. Rude. I know. Who doesn't love Dolly Parton? Exactly. I think it was more Johnny Cash. Maybe. I'm not very good at time. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, like, dates. I mean, dates. And, like, eras of music. Genes of music. Are you good at genes of music? (laughs) <laughs> jeans more out of jeans than music just not like mm. when it was I'm not very good at time <laughs> <laughs> I'm just not very good at numbers in general anything to do with numbers and I am a lost anyway this ghost didn't like the country music and he would be constantly turning it off and he especially didn't like the band Slade as soon as he, they, they played any Slade... So here th- Sorry, but that Christmas, Christmas number one is a banger. Yeah. He needs to babe. It wasn't out Everybody yet. And that, come on, feel the noise. That's good. Yeah. Well, he didn't like that. He was like, I don't like this noise. And he turned it off. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what he I did. I feel like if I was a ghost, I would be the one that's turning off music that I didn't like. I'd be like, I don't like this boom, boom. Turn it off. <laughs> I don't like this boom boom music. Oh, like drum and bass. Like, boom 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 boom. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, like drum that's... and bass. I don't like music you can feel. Oh, you feel it in your chest. <sighs> yeah. No, yeah. I can definitely see myself being. I wondered what you meant then. You know when you can feel it go through you, Emma? Yeah, the bass. <laughs> oi, oi. Yeah. Mm. I don't like that. Surprising, I know. So the music was getting turned off all the time, especially when it was Slade. This ghost was having none of Slade. It was like, don't like it. You're not listening to it. And he would also turn the television off when Rita would watch religious programs on the TV. And I was like, what? So no songs of praise? I was going to say, religious programs, what could they be? Songs of praise. It was on a Sunday morning, wasn't it? Loved it. No, it used to be Sunday afternoon. Sunday afternoon. Now it's Sunday morning. Have you, is it still on? Yeah, but it's not on at the same time. It used to be on at like tea time, didn't it? But now it's on in the morning. I mean, I never watched it. No, never did I. Is it literally, what is it? Choir singing? Well, yeah, like church service. They do like bits about Jesus and whatever. I don't know. Jesus and whatever. A bit of Jesus <laughs> and whatever. Yeah. They do hymns and... What, what's your favourite hymn? All things bright and beautiful. No. I was cold, I was naked, were you there? Were you there? I was cold, I was naked, were you there? I don't remember that one. I thought, I might, uh, how did Moses cross the Red Sea? How did Moses cross the Red Sea? I didn't know that one. You don't know that one? No. He's got the whole world in in his hands. He's got the whole wide world in his hands. He's got the whole world in his hands. He's got the whole world in his hands. Well done. Did you go to a C of E primary school, Emma? A what? Church of England primary school. I have no idea what type of primary school I went to. We had hymns and stuff I think and assemblies. You'd know, you'd know if you went to a C of E tri- I primary wouldn't, school. I wouldn't because I don't remember. You would? Okay, I would. Well, did you sing? Did you sing? <laughs> you would. You would. <laughs> would. <laughs> did you sing hymns? Yeah. At school? In assembly. So you went to, it was almost certainly a Church of England primary school. Okay. So anyway, Rita liked songs of praise and she couldn't watch it because this poltergeist kept turning it off and on again it's incredibly rude it is rude and it's annoying and terrifying Mm. 
The family became so used to the poltergeist antics that they nicknamed him Johnny. Which, the film wasn't out yet, but it, all I can think is, Here's Johnny! Bye. Horrible name for a poltergeist. Please don't call your poltergeist Johnny. And Bill would often shout Johnny's name when weird stuff started happening. Caroline once went to wake her husband up so he could go on his night shift, only to be met by the sight of him sleeping with an ironing board placed on top of him. (laughs) Caroline was stunned. No, but seriously, the idea that an ironing board just appeared on this poor guy who's having a nap is quite scary. Yeah, or hilarious, depending on how you see it. (laughs) Well, if it got there out of nowhere, you'd be a bit like, that's very odd. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Caroline was stunned, but not as much as her husband when he awoke underneath it. Bill had a pretty horrendous attack happen to him as he was in bed. All of a sudden, he couldn't move, couldn't cry out for help. He just lied there, paralysed, listening. He was very aware that there was something in there with him. He could hear it shuffling about and breathing. Can you imagine hearing something shuffle? I hate that word. I think the breathing would be... Worse, like, like the. <sighs> <sighs> oh no, not scuttling. Ooh. So sure, it could be sleep paralysis, right? Yeah, yeah, but still scary. It does seem to be a reoccurring theme that people are getting pinned down while they're in bed. The only place I want to be pinned down. <laughs> <laughs> Caroline, the daughter, and Bill would also often hear disembodied voices of a baby crying, which is horrendous. Yeah, that's not the one. Mm. Yeah, I don't like that. No. The footsteps became more frequent, mostly in the evenings, but also during the day. The family would be sat watching TV when it would start. They turned the volume right down, and Bill would try and pinpoint where the poltergeist was walking as he pointed to the ceiling. He's over here. And now he's over there. In 1972, Andrew's parents divorced. Nothing to do with the haunting, just a breakdown of the marriage. Also, a fun fact, apparently the song that was in the charts that year was Bye Bye Baby, which is quite fitting. Should we sing it? Bye Bye Baby, Baby Goodbye. Ah. (laughs) Yeah, something like that, anyway. (laughs) Yeah, that was nice. Wasn't no, it? lovely. Andrew was only two at this time, so he had no real recollection of his father ever living at Gladstone Villa. He would see his dad every Saturday where they would go and visit his other grandparents, like the paternal grandparents, and they'd go to the cinema to watch film. A welcome break from the paranormal activity at home, I imagine. Mm. And yet the poltergeist activity continued at the villa as Andrew grew up. He also saw the cables being pulled by no one and the electrical issues, as mentioned before, continued. At this point, the family was so uneasy, Rita, the grandma, Caroline, the daughter, and Andrew, the son, all slept downstairs with the lights on. Only Bill slept upstairs. No ghost or whatever it was was going to kick him out of his own bed. So that reminded me a bit of Jean Pritchard in uh, the Black Monk of Pontefract, she had that same kind of, this is my house kind of attitude, didn't she? Yeah. Yeah. And Bill's much the same, so he just continues to sleep in this really haunted bedroom. Rita talked about the haunting to her friend Ivy France, who at first was extremely sceptical and thought it was all just caused by the vibrations from the traffic passing. That is, until she experienced it for herself, and then she changed her tune entirely and suggested the family get a psychic medium in. Always bring the mediums in, don't they? Yeah. It's like there's um almost like a, a to-do thing when you experience poltergeist activity, isn't it? It's like police, yeah. medium, yeah, priest. Church. Yeah. Yeah. So we're on we're on the medium part now. Yeah, but the churches always take some convincing. They're like, oh, we don't send exorcists out all the time and I always think they're really, you know, difficult to get to move. They're not very helpful, are they? No, but I think they have to get, I'm I'm completely, I don't know where I've got this information from, but don't they have to get like the okay from the Vatican or something? I don't think the priest can just, can wake up one morning and be like, 
Oh, feels like a exorcism type of day. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's the Archbishop. I I don't know, but yeah, you might be right. So they did indeed get a medium and his name was John Matthews and he came into the house provoking the entity trying to get it to bang on the walls always. back at him. They always provoke, don't they? Yeah. Why don't I just come in and have a nice cup of tea? Where's the love, man? Where's yeah. the love? Maybe Johnny just wants to be listened to. Eh? Mm-hmm. Maybe. He was banging on the walls and the whatever entity, poltergeist, whatever you want to call it, was tapping back. He then went into a trance-like state, making contact with the spirit, but never managed to retrieve a name. It's convenient, isn't it? And dramatic. I feel like a trance is always going to be dramatic. Yeah. Obviously useful if you get a name, but he didn't get one. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, he didn't. He did confirm, however, that the family had an earthbound spirit in their house. Thanks, Captain Obvious. Round of applause to the medium. Thanks, John. Hugely helpful. Also, wasn't the medium at the Black Monk of Pontefract a bit, like, super unhelpful? Yeah. I know it was the priest, wasn't it, saying you should just move. The problem is the mediums always provoke them, don't they? I don't think that's true. I don't think all of them do. This one did. In our stories, they often do, though, don't they? Yeah. Yeah, I suppose so. So as the medium was a bit of a bust, the family sought help with the church, see? Checking the we boxes. Knew. We, we could have written this story. Mm-hmm. And priest Graham Jones came to visit. He blessed the house and said a few prayers. But what have we learned about priests and poltergeists? They don't get on. They don't get on. Come on, what have we learned? Think back. Well, they, they can make it worse. They make it worse. Well done, Becky. I was just about to say that, yes. but, you know. One point for Team Becky. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so often they just make things worse, and this is the case here too. It was quiet for a few months, but Johnny returned with a vengeance. One night they were all sat watching TV, except Rita, who was reading a book. Caroline just happened to look up, and in the doorway she saw the full-body apparition of a monk. Again? Another one. What? You couldn't write it, could ya? Is he wearing, like, Monk, that weird sideways sea haircut? That type of no. Monk, like a friar. I, sh- I shall describe him. Oh, he was not a friar. Fri- he vanished just as soon as she saw him. But she described him to be wearing a long brown robe with a large hood that hid his face. Her description fits the description of a 16th century Benedictine monk. No one else witnessed this as it all happened in a flash, and they were all too busy, absorbed watching whatever was on TV. So enter Fred Davies. Fred Davies was a very good friend of Bill, so Bill's the granddad. They worked together, and most evenings Fred would come over and watch TV with the family. So Fred was a very slim guy who wore glasses and a flat cap and always had a homemade cigarette hanging from his mouth. One evening, as he had installed himself in his favourite chair, came an almighty bang, so much so that it made Fred duck, thinking the ceiling was falling down. As they went to investigate what could have caused the noise, they found nothing out of the ordinary. This would not be the last time Fred would experience the poltergeist. It's very confusing that we've just had a poltergeist called Fred and now we've got a character called Fred experiencing a poltergeist. Very confusing. Very confusing. One time he was over and he was people watching out of the window with Bill. Apparently Bill enjoyed just looking out the window and watching the world go by. I love people watching. And Fred was just like stood next to him, you know, doing the same thing. Why not? Bit of people watching. And he felt someone push past him and he was certain somebody had just like walked into him and, you know, as they were going along, but there was nobody there. The most frightening thing that happened to Andrew was in the poltergeist's favourite bedroom. He was just laying on the bed facing the window when he felt something jump on the bed. He not only felt this, but he heard the springs of the mattress. He looked and of course nothing was there. He darted out of the room and downstairs to tell his family. They all went up to look, and to their horror, there were distinct paw prints all over the bottom of the bed. Mm. 
Now, Bill suggested that it could be his old black lab that had just died before Andrew was born, which in itself is quite a comforting thought. But on on the other hand, one can't help wonder if it wasn't something a little bit more demonic. After all, they can take any form they want. Yeah, that's creepy. Mm. Black dogs? No. No like. Rita also had a slightly terrifying experience. She went upstairs to go get Bill, and as she stepped foot inside the room, the boiler door began opening by itself. She didn't wait around to see what was going to come out of it, and she left straight away. This makes me laugh a little bit, because she just abandoned her husband in there. She's just like, (laughs) bye. I'm out of here, guys. Goodbye. Every man for himself. (laughs) (laughs) On another occasion, she also felt like someone was tugging something from under her foot, like she'd stepped on somebody's dress. Like if you, if someone's wearing a really long dress and you step on it by mistake, you know that yeah. feeling of them tugging it from under your I foot. I know the feeling. Yeah. Well, that's what she felt. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So it felt like she stepped on someone's dress or perhaps a monk's robe. Perhaps, yeah. yeah. Caroline had to have an operation on her foot, and after the operation, she had daily visits from the nurse to change the bandages, etc. One time, the nurse asked Caroline, could she please stop holding her? Rita and Caroline both looked at each other in shock, as, of course, no one was holding the nurse. Holding her how? Well, I don't know. You know, like, love me tender. Love me true. That kind of hold. That's definitely that type of hold that she was talking about. <laughs> I don't yeah. know. She's obviously looking down, faffing with a foot. I kind of felt like maybe grabbing onto the shoulders or something. Maybe. I don't know. There's multiple ways to hold someone. But anyway, that nobody was holding the nurse. Someone asked me last night on Tinder, their second message to me was, do you want me to come and hold you? And what did you say? I politely declined. I was like, I don't know you. That's weird. That's icky. It's gross, isn't it? <laughs> That's icky. Hold you. It was so disgusting. I was like, are you okay, hun? That's like, you don't know me. That's weird. You'd, you'd say, come give me a cuddle. You- I don't even want a grown-ass man to say that to me on Tinder. Anyway, they never told the nurse that nobody was holding her because they didn't want to freak her out. So she just thought someone was holding her? Yeah. what's worse (laughs) I don't know what's worse what would you say oh it's not me it's the ghost yeah well just say oh I'm not holding you and then she'll turn around and be like oh it was my hair or maybe maybe no one was holding me no maybe but they didn't say anything to her anyway one of the only times the family ever heard anything vocal from the poltergeist was very soon before all activity stopped. One of them needed to use the bathroom, only to find the door firmly closed shut. None of them were able to get inside. He's in there, said Bill. And then they heard it. What can only be described as Gregorian chant coming from the other side of the door. What's Gregorian chant? It's what the monks would have been doing. Oh. What's that then? Oh, oh, oh. I don't really know what monks do. I just have visions of monks like gardening. What do monks do? <laughs> gardening wouldn't have been the one. It'd be praying and... I like ringing bells. Yeah, ringing bells. Like I don't... You know like how n- nuns, like I've nurses or orphanages... Or teaching. Monks are just, in my head, they're just gardening. (laughs) I don't know why. I think that's adorable. (laughs) That's so weird. It's it's in church or ringing a bell, you know, (laughs) ringing it where they're like doing that and then flying in the air. Just ringing bells, yeah. (laughs) Oh, I can't wait for the next hour. I get to ring the bell again. Woohoo! Ding dong, ding dong, ding dong, ding dong. Are you getting monks and gnomes confused, Tash? No, because the one no, rings I... a bell and the other one goes, hi, ho. <laughs> hi, ho. Hi, ho. Hi, ho. Hi, ho. Hi, ho. Yeah, now everybody knows what I've got <laughs> to deal with. <laughs> Jesus. Right, girls, I'm nearly done. Okay, come on. Nearly done. 
So they've just heard this Gregorian chant coming from the other side of the bathroom door. And then that was it. All activity stopped until the family's very last night in the house in 1978. They had sold it to two businessmen wanting to turn it into a hotel. On the night before they moved, the family was sleeping downstairs when they heard the doorknob turn as if someone was trying to get in. And then they heard all of their belongings that were all boxed up in the hallway ready for the morning being thrown around. Oh. Yes. He was not impressed that they were moving, apparently. Well, no, he just put them all in a box and now they're getting all moved before their time. Once older and haunted by the memories of his childhood, Andrew started researching the property. He realised that the property dated back to the 1800s and he also found the family that lived there before his grandparents, the Kimiats, Michael and Evelyn. They moved there in 1924. They were newly married and soon had a baby son called Elvin. He sadly died at the property at just four months old, which could explain the disembodied baby crying. That would make sense. His mother, Evelyn, never really recovered and spent her life in mourning. She died in 1970, just after Andrew's birth. So this does make you wonder, was she brought back to the house as it had a new baby boy again inside its walls? Andrew also found that on the street where his parents used to work, there was a monastery in the 16th century. And also in the building opposite the villa is said to be a priest hole, but it's been all sealed up. So do you know what a priest hole is? No. (laughs) It's where a priest would go and hide when the Catholics were being persecuted. Is that a word? Persecuted? Yeah, persecuted is a word. Is it the right word? I don't know, but it is a word. I think it's either a priest hole or a priest hide, and they would go and hide in there. Hide. Oh, but wouldn't everyone know, oh, where's the priest? What, on his priest hole? Or is it like a secret place? I think it was kept secret. Oh, okay. A secret hole. (laughs) <laughs> I may or not or may not have one of those <laughs> are you okay you need to get that checked out <laughs> I think you've got a secret hole no I don't have a secret hole <laughs> so I've put Andrew's story into my own words but to finish this is a direct quote from him what I have said here is true I wouldn't share this if I couldn't possibly back this up I have used real names as I have nothing to hide And all I have said can be verified by the family of those I mentioned. Sadly, some of the people I have mentioned are no longer with us. I challenge any hardened sceptic and firm non-believer, and I can assure them that they will indeed most certainly question their belief system. Of this, I have no doubt at all whatsoever. In fact, I'm 100% positive. You may Google this property. It's still there in Cardiff Road, Bargoed, Wales, UK, very near... Car Philly and Cardiff. This place needs to be thoroughly investigated and is well worth documenting. I'm quite serious about this and very sincere. Oh, I love that it was that person that drove in. Yeah. Yeah, that's Thank you really so good. much. We appreciate you. So there you go, Gladstone Villa. Yeah. First hand account for Halloween. Ooh. I liked that. I didn't, good. and I did. <laughs> didn't like the fact that it was scary but i liked it do you know what freaked yeah. me out the most the ironing board yeah, that is weird isn't it no <laughs> really i agree weird. so weird if i walked in and found an ironing <laughs> board like on top of ben when he was asleep i'd be like what the you'd be like you cheating bastard <laughs> cheating on me with an ironing board <laughs> <laughs> no but yeah Next time I look at my animal, I'm going to be like, Becky, behave, babe. What? Do you use your ironing board? Do I have an ironing board? (laughs) I was impressed at the fact that she had an ironing board, to be fair. My ironing board is a towel folded on the floor or on on the sofa. We've got a wedding this weekend and I desperately need to iron the girls things and i have got an ironing board but it's right at the back of a cupboard with a load of stuff in front of it am i gonna get it out absolutely not i'm gonna do it on the table yeah with the iron that i have used a grand total of three times since i've moved back from france that's six years people 
Yeah, I think the only times that I've ever used the iron is for various weddings. We haven't had a men- many yeah. of them, especially with COVID. And uh, yeah, do I have an ironing board? Now, do you feel that when you get an ironing board, is that when you actually are an adult? The whole three kids married, ma, 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 that doesn't make me an adult. The ironing board does. I think it's too late for us. I think you either have it or you don't. You're either an ironer or you're not. And I think it's too late for us. And I'm absolutely okay with that. Yeah. Emma, do you iron? I don't own an iron. Yeah. If Same. it needs ironing, I'm not buying it. Yeah. <laughs> I shake the creases out and like hang it out properly so that it doesn't get creased when it dries. Anyway. Yeah. Becky Booze. Yeah. Over to you. Okay. Right. So my story, I was hesitating. I didn't really know what to do. I hesitated on possibly doing lots of little stories, which I'll definitely do the next time we do a live. But this one is actually a Halloween-related story. Good timekeeping. Halloween has always been the perfect day to terrify and be terrified. Many people take it for what it is, an opportunity to be someone else, a chance to let the darkest part of your imagination <laughs> come out and play. <laughs> Unfortunately, many people have taken this in the most literal sense of the expression. My daughter being one of them yep. with her creepy letter. Has she just watched The Watcher? No, of course not. She's seven. <laughs> she must have been watching that. Back to my story for this week. So... Well, let's start it. Let's start it. The Lisk family came into being when Susan Griffin and William Lisk decided to get married in 2001. They tied their families together. No, that still sounds bad. They're tying their two families together through marriage. That's what I meant. While Susan had two sons from her previous marriage named Devon and Derek Griffin. At the time of the wedding, Susan's sons were 14 and 7 years old. William, so the husband, also had a son from a previous marriage, also called William. So his nickname was BJ, so we're going to have to call him that. Okay? Is that okay, Tash? We're not going to get through this if he's called BJ. (laughs) He's called BJ. Not why? Well, William, Bill. Is it Junior? Is he Junior? Oh, Junior, yeah. William. I think it's William, Bill, Junior. List. No, babe, no. it won't be William Bill because Bill is. A... <laughs> I am Billy. G- <laughs> Bill is Will. Bill, Bill's Will. Billy Junior. That's what it is. Bj. Billy Junior. Okay. Bj. You're gonna have to get over it. So you know. Um, I haven't laughed. You're telling me I've got to get over saying I'm not even under. I think she might be looking at me. I'm holding it in. Okay. Right. Well, it's fine then. Um, so BJ was also 14. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Let us call him Bill Jr. <laughs> yeah. You made this happen. We could have just brushed over it, but we, no, we went into it so much. When I was doing these notes, I was like, they'll get over it. It'll be fine. Like, I didn't find it no, funny. You at the know, time. when we talk about getting over it, we don't get over it. If we just brush past it. But you weren't it, even under it in a minute. A minute ago, you were like, I weren't even under it. I was like, it's sassy. I'm going to get through the story. <sighs> Bill Jr. was also 14 when his dad married Susan. So there's two 14 year olds and a seven year old, and then oh, the God. new married couple, all boys. A new married couple. So they all lived together in a house in Martin, Ohio. And I seem to be doing a lot of Ohio stories. I don't think it's even that big. The blended family got on okay in general, but as you can imagine, getting a new step-parent as a young teen or a pre-teen can be additionally challenging for both sides. On the morning of the 31st of October 2010, 16-year-old Devin Griffin, so he was the little seven-year-old when they first got married, now he's 16. He arrived home back to his, his, his mum and stepdad's house. He had spent the previous night at his dad's house, his biological father. So he stayed at his dad's house, which was the Saturday night, and then he's coming home today, which is a Sunday morning. So he's coming home to change his clothes to get ready to go to church. So Devin saw his stepbrother, Billy Jr., <laughs> Great night. So he was loading something into his dad's truck. Billy Jr. asked Devon how long he would be gone for, and Devon said, just for the morning, a couple of hours, I'm just going to church. 
Then he left for church where he sang in the choir, which I thought was so cute. I love that. Devon came home from church later that afternoon, went and played video games. And then as he was sat there playing the games, he thought, the house is a little bit quiet. Suspicious. The fact that normally five people are here, like no noise whatsoever. So he decided that he'll just go and see if his mum's in a room or downstairs or something. So he checks their bedroom first. And as he goes into the bedroom, he saw a scene that at first he thought was a joke left over from their Halloween party that they had the previous night. And then as the reality of what he was actually seeing sunk in, he realized that he was looking at the bodies of his murdered mother and stepfather. Oh, my oh God. God. He then ran out of the house and called his aunt, Laurie, who came to the house and called 911. So Laurie... These are a few quotes of what she said on the 911 call because she was calling as she was going in the house. So Devon explained what he'd seen, so she started to call as she's going into the house. Yeah, before she's seen anything. Yeah. Laurie, while she was on the phone, said that there was blood everywhere in the house as she was going out. I think what it is is Devon just kind of did the whole teenage boy thing. I was just like in up, upstairs in his bedroom, didn't look in the other rooms, whereas... She was yeah, looking in the room. walked rooms. in and like shouted out like, hi, I'm home. Yeah, I'm, I'm back. I'm going upstairs. Mm, exactly. So Laurie said that there's blood everywhere. And when she went up into the bedroom, you could hear Laurie crying as she found Mr. Lisk's body. And she said, Bill's in the bed. He's dead. He's got to be dead. And I can't see Susie. And Derek's gone. So Derek's the brother. Yeah. Devon's brother. When police arrived at the scene to a distraught 16-year-old Devon and Sorry, Laurie. gone as in he's gone, he's passed, or gone as in he's just not and she there? She couldn't see him. Yeah. Okay. She couldn't, she called out for him and he's not there. Okay. So when the police arrived at the scene to a distraught, a distraught 16-year-old Devon and Laurie, they went in to look at the crime scene. They went up to Sue and, and William's bedroom. Upon first observations, they could see that William had been shot in the head and face multiple times. Oh, my God. And Susan had also been shot multiple times in the head at very close range. Oh. Then police set out to find Derek. Devon, when he first went in the house, he didn't go, you know, back in again. He had forgotten to check Derek's room. How old's Derek again? He's 24. He's the older brother. Okay. Because of the yeah, the shocking scene that he'd seen, he just ran out the house and called his arm. Fair play. Yeah. So the police started looking for Derek and they went up to Derek's bedroom and the door to Derek's bedroom had been locked from the inside. The police broke it down and saw Derek in bed curled up with his back facing them like facing the wall. So they couldn't see his face when they first came in. Okay. They called his name, no response. And Derek... Was as they moved in closer, they could see that he's, he'd been beaten in the head and Derek was also deceased. But he was locked from the inside? Yeah. So whoever had done it had locked the door and jumped out the window. I don't really know how they've done this. but um, Oh, they've beat him. He's ran in the room and then he's died in his bed. I don't really know. Nor do I, wasn't there? Yes, the position. That's a good thought, actually, because the position suggests... He was trying to hide. That's what he'd done, that he's gone and curled up in his bed mm. and died in his bed. An autopsy revealed later that Derek died from blunt force trauma to his head. Oh. And it looked like that maybe Derek was the first to be killed while he was sleeping and probably didn't feel the blow that killed him. Oh, okay. So... No, because that would have meant that the guy... Or the killer would have had to gone into his room, killed him while he was asleep, jumped out of the window, come back into the house, killed the parents. I don't know. Anyway, well, it's not a massive detail, is that? I tried to find out more, but nothing was to be found. It looked like Derek was killed while he slept and probably didn't feel the blow that killed him. Autopsies also revealed that Susan had been sexually assaulted before she oh. was shot in the head. Oh, God, no. Susan was shot in the head three times and William had been shot in the head five times. 
in the matter of a few hours, Devon, poor Devon, had lost all of his family without a word or reason. His brother's death came to him as another blow because he didn't know that he died. He just saw that his parents, had, you know, his, his mum and stepfather had died. Yeah, yeah, he didn't realise, yeah. Yeah. Police saw that all the shell casings had been picked up, so the killer had taken the time to walk around and pick them all up. However, a bloody hammer was found on the back deck of the house and also muddy footprints near the door. A hammer? That's brutal, man. Yeah. So the killer had picked up all the... took it. It's quite interesting because he kind of tried to cover his tracks with the shell casings yet left a full-on bloody hammer on the back of the house. So I don't know if they just forgot it or what. Hmm. After finding this evidence, other evidence, and how the scene showed no signs of struggle, they deemed that it possibly was an inside job. So Devon was actually a suspect. Devon was at church. Yeah. Police didn't really suspect Devon too much, but they have to look into them. You know, he still is a suspect at first. Neighbours confirmed that they heard what sounded like gunshots around 6am, but, you know, it was kind of, Halloween weekend and you know firecrackers or whatever they could sound similar I don't know so and at that time 6am Devon was still at his dad's house so he wasn't there also Devon had no criminal history and both of his alibis checked out so the alibi at the church and the alibi at his dad's house he was only home for a couple of minutes just to change so it was unclear whether when he came home at nine o'clock in the morning to change whether his family was already dead or not. Did he speak to his parents when he came home at six o'clock? No, he just saw his stepbrother, Billy Jr. But police kind of suspected William's son, Bill Jr. And when the police looked into Bill Jr.'s history, he had quite the criminal record. In 2002, when Bill Jr. was 15, he had threatened to harm himself after an argument with his father. So in 2004, he was charged with assault and robbery for an incident in which he allegedly struck his stepmother with a coffee cup and took her car keys. He was later found incompetent to stand trial because Bill Jr. was diagnosed with schizophrenia, which explains some of his actions. And after he was restored to competency, the charges were dismissed. So once he was back on his medication, they just dropped the charges. Mm-hmm. Not long after that, he also attacked his stepmother in the shower. That's weird. Yeah. It is a bit weird. His aggression towards her grew more and more over the years, as BJ reckoned. He just didn't like the authority that his stepmother tried to exert over the household. And he apparently didn't think that she should be telling him what to do. It's not clear whether he just didn't like her or whether he didn't like any women taking position of authority. I'm not sure. It didn't say. It didn't specify. But he did not like his stepmom. Just five months before the murders, William Lisk, so the dad, called the sheriff's office to report his son, saying that he had walked off after yelling at him and pushing him during a confrontation. Sounds like quite the volatile chap, really. Yeah. When that happened, he'd come home for the weekend and his dad had found out that he wasn't taking his medication properly. In the report, his dad says, I don't want to press charges, but he needs to take his meds properly, like most people with this type of mental illness needs to take his meds. William always defended his son, and it was the source of many disagreements between him and his wife, but he always defended his son. It's a difficult one, though, isn't it? It's your child. Yeah, exactly. He should defend his son. And it sounds like he was always trying to get him to take his meds and help him, and but just because his son doesn't like the stepmom, you know, he, he can't let his son win with everything. No. No. And also, he's an adult, isn't he? He's not like... Yeah, he's 24 at that time. William really wanted BJ to get better, to take his meds, have a happy life, and just wanted the best for him. William and BJ had actually been on a father and son hunting retreat just one week before the murders, in effort to help repair their strained relationship. And it worked. They had a really nice time. Oh, there's nothing like going and shooting some animals. That's good good fun. (laughs) They just loved it so much. So when they got back from their hunting trip, William said that BJ could stay on their couch for the night. So I don't know what happened. I don't know if something was said when they got back and he stayed on the couch. 
I don't know whether just his stepmom's presence was enough to send him over the edge. But yeah, that was the night that it all happened, was when he stayed on the couch. So just a few hours after the murders, Bill Jr., so BJ, was arrested at the family's cottage in Carroll County, Ohio. So he was staying in the little, he'd gone back to stay in the little cottage where they'd just been on holiday. It's in their little hunting cottage retreat thing. So he was arrested and charged with one count of murder. For one, they could hold him on one count of murder and he didn't have to do all three. Despite of history of mental illness and run-ins with the law, the violent episode completely shocked their family. This is awful. If you didn't think that was bad enough. But they were dealt an even more traumatic news on the Monday following the murders when Mr. List and William, that was who was murdered, his sister, Susan Dunmire, apparently died in a house fire in a garage behind their home. Oh, because the family's not dealing with enough. Yeah, same family. Also, you said the stepmom was sexually assaulted before she was killed, right? Yeah. So her stepson raped her, basically, before... I don't know what he did, but yeah, that was the stepson. That's disgusting. It's vile, isn't it? Piece of shit. Yeah. BJ is a piece of shit, yeah. 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 William's sister, so Susan Dunmire, and her husband Tim spent much of their time in the detached garage behind their house. The structure was set up more like a recreation room than a garage. And it was destroyed by the fire, which was reported at 2.48 a.m. on the Monday. The Sunday morning is when they found the family massacred. So that night, early in the morning, is when this happened. So within 24 hours, another tragedy to the same family. It's horrendous. Do you think he was involved? No, apparently not. It's just a freaky, awful coincidence. He wasn't anywhere near that. Mm. They would already arrested him. They arrested him on the Sunday. Apparently, Mrs. Dunmire was very, very close to her brother and was going to come down and help at the funeral. She had gone home to sleep late Sunday, but apparently went to the garage because she couldn't sleep, which is where something must have happened and it caught on fire. So it's terrible. Awful. Later on, BJ pleaded guilty, allowing the death penalty to be taken off the table but life in prison was put in its place. Good. However, well, I don't like her. Howevers. So no, he was sent. He got life in prison, not possibility of parole. However, on the thirty-first of March, two thousand and fifteen, BG was found dead in his prison cell. He had committed suicide. Oh. oh. Yeah. So exactly five years afterwards. Troubled, troubled soul. Yeah, Mr. Arthur. Mr. So William Niss's brother-in-law said that he believed his brother-in-law tried everything he could to help his son. And this is a quote, Bill was an extremely good father. I think he would do anything he could for BJ. And that's what's so hard to believe about the whole thing. That, you know, him saying that he'd just do anything for his son. And then his son is the one that killed him. Yeah, it's awful. Yeah. So that was... Awful. Uh, and that's the massacre of the Lisk family. Well, Sad. thanks, Becky. Thank you, Becky. As always, bringing the train down. Yeah, yeah. No, that calmed <laughs> us down, didn't it? Didn't even found BJ funny after, like, the third time. I was like, this isn't <laughs> funny. Do you want my spooky song? He's on his knees, begging me not to hurt him. I don't want to, but the voices inside my head do. I'm struggling to know what's reality anymore. I know what awaits if I pull this trigger, and yet the temptation won't leave. He pleads and pleads, it's driving me insane. One little pull, and silence. He lies on the ground dead. Oh God, what will my mother think? We're only a poor family. She needs me. But now I know she'll cry. I never meant to make her cry. But hey, nothing really matters anyway. I know what it is. Definitely know what it is. 
Tash, if you don't know what this song, I want to slap you. I know. <laughs> I know, and I want to sing so bad. Okay, shall we wrap it up? Let's wrap yes. it up. Okay, so thanks for listening. And you can find us on Facebook under Spine Chillers and Serial Killers. We're also on Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, and I'm on Tinder at SCSK underscore podcast. That's SCSK underscore podcast. Yeah, and if you have any case suggestions or scary stories, anything like that, please write in on uh, our email address, which is chillers.killers.pod at gmail.com. Or your bad Tinder dates. Yeah. Ever wants to know your bad Tinder dates, please write Even in. if it's not a Tinder date, blind date, worst dates. All right then. Thank you so much for listening, guys. Stay safe. Don't kill people. And keep it weird. Bye. Bye. Bye.